When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. Lift your Bibles high. Let's make our confession of faith. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith, and faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word, I'm a doer of the word. This word has given me life, and life shouted out, I am. Hallelujah. Remain standing, if you would, go to Proverbs 21 and 1. We make a confession when we uh, prepare to receive the word, because the way, this, the way you receive something dictates how you act on it. And so we want to receive the word in faith, not in doubt. We want to receive it in faith. Now, Proverbs 21.1. When you have it, say, I have it. If you're still flipping, say, hold on. If you're in maps, have your neighbor to help you. <laughs> Proverbs 21 and 1. The Bible says this. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Watch this. God says, Anybody that is in authority or is in power, I put them there, and I control their heart. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Say that. Say the king's heart is in God's hands. Your supervisor may think they're running the show. But God says, I've got their heart, which is mine, I've got their mind in my hands. And I'll twist it and turn it any way I want it to go. And when I want them to favor you, even if they don't like you, they won't be able to stop it. People that can't stand you, I'll turn their heart to favor you. Because it's your enemies that become your footstool, not your friends. So if you got a lot of enemies around, you ought to be shouting because God says, I'm getting ready to start turning some hearts. One more place. Go to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Now, an enemy is anything that what? Opposes your forward progress. I want you to see something. I want you to see something. Daniel chapter 2. Um, Daniel 2. Go to verse 13. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Ariok, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. 
Now, let me just give you some background on what happened here. Uh, the king, uh, what happens is, number one, the Babylonians go, they conquer the Jews. And in doing that, they subdue the Jews and all that. What happens is there's four men, uh, Daniel and then Mishael, Azariah, and, and, and those three who later became Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All of those three are with Daniel. So there's four men now. And what happens is the king has a dream. And the king goes and he says, I need somebody to interpret my dream. Well, the wise men try to play the king. And they say to the king, well, listen, why don't you tell us what you saw? And the king says, wait a minute. If I tell you that, you're just going to make something up. So you got to be careful when, when, when folks start asking questions you didn't answer and answering questions you didn't ask. And so in doing that, what happens is, is, is they go through and the king says, I want to kill all the wise men in the land because I'm mad at all of y'all. And so the kings in that day, they got mad. Everybody died. And that's just the way it worked. Now what happens is they come to Daniel and Arioch says, listen, the king wants to kill all of the wise men. So here we go, verse 15. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent or so harsh? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who later became Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which were Babylonian names given to them. Verse 18, that he might seek mercies from God of heaven concerning this secret. Say secret. Watch this. So that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So now all of the other wise men are dead except for these four who serve the one true God. Which means that you could be in a situation where everybody else is perishing but those that serve the Lord. Now watch this. Everybody else is getting laid off but you're secure because you said this isn't my source anyhow. You ought to be glad to have me. I'm the reason y'all still got the doors open now because the blessed. All right. All right. All right. Verse 19. Then the secret. Say it again. The secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Say vision. So there's some secret stuff that needs to be revealed and God reveals it through the process of a vision. There's stuff that is on the inside of you that is a secret to you. It is a mystery to you. You have dreams, you have thoughts, and all this, and you're trying to figure out how does all of this fit together because I know I've been created to do more than what I'm currently doing. I just can't figure out how to get there. And I know I'm supposed to be moving forward. I just don't know what forward actually looks like. So right now it's a secret to me, but if I can get a vision of the secret. All right, okay, all right. Daniel. Verse 19, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in the night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the time, the season. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. There it is again. Say secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and only light dwells in him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and you have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. The king had a dream, but the dream was a secret. The only way to get a revelation of the secret was to get a new vision. Which means Daniel's current vision was insufficient to interpret the secret. Okay, I'm going to work it real good after a while. Touch your neighbor, so he's going somewhere. Verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. 
And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed will be. So now he goes and he gives interpretation. He goes that he explains the dream. Verse 37. For you, O king, are a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom. Now that's interesting because Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a believer. He didn't serve Yahweh. He didn't serve God. He served pagan gods. They made their own gods and worshipped them. But even the Bible says, God gave you this kingdom. Power, strength, and glory. Touch your name and say, why would God do that? Well, it's real simple. If the wealth of the wicked has to be stored up for the righteous, God says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make unrighteous folk do well. The reason is I want them to work hard to have to get it, and all you have to do is be in position to receive it. You didn't hear what I just said. God says, I don't want you being the one that's got to work hard to get it. I want them to labor to get it. Because the scripture says, I'll give you vineyards you didn't plant. I'll give you houses you didn't build. But it's not materialism. God says it's the kingdom. So don't get caught up in stuff. He says it's heaven's attributes. Watch this. this. Look at him again. So he's going somewhere. Verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel. Now, that's interesting because a king would never humble himself in that fashion before a peasant or for a servant and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. Now Daniel was in the right place at the right time and he had the right vision. The king answered Daniel and said, truly your God is the God of gods, Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets since you could reveal this secret. Then the king did what to Daniel? Promoted him. He promoted Daniel because Daniel got a vision about something that the king had a dream about. Now, let me, let me equate this to you and I. Our God had a dream. And his dream is recorded in the book of Timothy that all men might be saved. So what he does is he places secrets on the inside of you called gifts and talents. But the only way those are going to be revealed is when you get a brand new. So the reason you can feel so frustrated with your life and so frustrated with where you're at and so frustrated with the quality of your life is because all of the secret stuff that's in you hasn't yet been unearthed. And so you feel frustrated and you feel stuck and you feel messed up and you feel that way because God says your vision is old. All right. Okay. All right, one, one, one more verse. The king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator of all the wise men of Babylon. So here it is. You have this Jewish boy who's getting promoted over the natives that should have precedence over him. But because he had the right vision. Uh, Verse 49, also Daniel petitioned the king, and he said, here's what I want to get. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which are the three we just read about, over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate, or in the court, of the king. Father, I decrease that you might increase. Open our ears and our spirits to hear and our eyes to see what the Spirit is saying to the church. God, you are calling us to get a brand new vision 
that unearths the secret things that you desire to do based off your dream, which is that all men might be saved. You are so much more concerned than just our little stuff and our little world and what we trying to get and all that. You are concerned with something global. And God, your plan's working, and we are part of that plan. And I pray that by the time I get through with this, everybody under the sound of my voice and those watching online and those that will get the CD would have a brand new vision. And it is so. In Jesus' name. On your way down, high five two or three people and say, get a new vision, get a new vision, get a new vision. You can be seated. I want to teach this to you and lay this out for you, and then we're going to take it on home. Now watch this. Daniel, because he had the ability to have a vision, say vision. A vision is not what you're able to see with your eyes open. It is what you are able to see when your eyes are closed. A vision and sight are two different things. A lot of folks see well, but they don't have vision. Uh, because vision has the ability to look at nothing and see everything. Vision has the ability, like God, to step out of eternity and to step into time and to step into chaos and to create cosmos. Vision has the ability to step in a realm and be able to create something that it only dreamed about before. Uh, scripture says, Proverbs 29, 18, without a vision, people perish or cast off restraint. The reason so many people always give up on themselves and always give up on what they're doing in their lives is because all they got was excited. They never got a vision. And the problem with excitement is that it's an emotion, which means it's going to change with the wind. But when you get a vision, a vision is what gives you life. A vision is what keeps you moving because I can see something everybody else around me can't see. And so maybe it doesn't look like that right now, but baby, I got a vision. And the vision, I see this and I see that. I see cosmos. I see order coming out of this chaos. But you got to be able to do that through vision. You, you cannot do that through excitement. You cannot just do that through zeal. You cannot just do that through passion. Those things come when you get vision, but you must have vision. So now watch this. Ask your neighbor, say, neighbor, what do you see with your eyes closed? Because the reality is, if all you see when your eyes are closed is the chaos and dysfunction of everything that's not going right, you don't have vision yet. If all you see is how you're down and out and this ain't working and that ain't working and this ain't that and this ain't that, then you don't have vision yet. You're just a CNI saint. Yeah. Scripture says we are to walk by faith and not by sight. But remember, sight and vision are two different things. So in other words, I'm able to walk by vision and not by sight. Which means I get a revelation of something that was hidden to me. And when I get a revelation of that, it drives my efforts. The farmer, when he begins planting seeds in the ground, you know what his vision is? The harvest. So even though his sight is just looking at little seeds and everybody around him is saying, how in the world is this little seed going to turn into a harvest? He says, what you may have is sight, but I got something better called vision. Because vision transcends time, vision transcends circumstances, vision transcends issues. Now watch this in the text. Daniel, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got promoted, and they got promoted not because of even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did anything great, but because Daniel got promoted, he made sure that he brought some folk with him. 
the reason some of you are still sitting in the same circumstance you've been sitting in is because when you get delivered, the only one you care about is you. And God says, when I bring you somewhere, I need you to bring some folk with you. So when you get saved, don't you just run and then leave everybody there. No, you got to bring some folk with you. When you get the blessing working in your life, you got to go get some folk and bring them with you. Because I'm not just interested in you. Because if it's just about you, it's not vision, it's sight. I'm going to say it again. If it's just about you, it's not vision, it's just sight. And all you do is see. But you're never able to see anything other than that which is in front of you. So Daniel gets promoted, and in that promotion, he brings Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, want, want to touch your name, so he's going somewhere. Uh, what's interesting is that after all that promotion in chapter 2, here comes more trouble in chapter 3. Because you know chapter 3 is the chapter with the fiery furnace. And what's amazing to me about the story, you ought to read it in your own time, is that it was Daniel that interpreted the dream which created the statue that Nebuchadnezzar built and then made them worship. And when they wouldn't worship it, he punished them. But he wouldn't have even been able to build the statue had it not been for Daniel. Yet the king wants to give Daniel and his friends trouble. You, you, you ever help somebody get out of something? And then you turn around and they're the main ones giving you trouble. Yeah. You, you gave them something and you, ought, you shouldn't have done it. They're thinking you said not to do it, but you were feeling a little compassionate, feeling a little merciful that day, and you did it. And then the next week they want to trip with you like you ain't never. I wish somebody would be real with me. They won't even answer your calls now. And you're saying, wait a minute, last week I was your best friend. But, but now... What's going on? Stay with me. Watch this. So in chapter 3, the king issues a decree, and he says, listen, at this image, which I was able to build because Daniel interpreted the dream, at this image, when you hear the music playing, you got to fall down in the worship. And I was here several weeks ago when I talked about the necessity of the fire. Say the fire. fire. Now watch this. Vision is progressive, which means that through the process of time, your capacity to have greater vision increases. Through the process of time, your capacity to have greater vision increases. Which means when you start out as a customer service rep, you may not be able to see yourself as anything more than maybe the supervisor of the call center. But when you take that over, all of a sudden, now your capacity increases because you say, wait a minute, if I could do that, why don't I just go and buy the whole company? I don't See, people that see are just trying to get blessed. People with vision realize that they are the blessing. People that see go to the dealership to get a car. People with vision walk up and figure out how to buy the lot. Oh, well, Bishop, God don't want you to have all that. You're a liar. We are kingdom people. We are kings and priests. We are supposed to subdue, have dominion, and to rule and to reign. Which means if there's anything that exists, we're supposed to be the best at it. I'm going to say it again. If there's anything that exists, the church shouldn't be the last one on the rung. The church ought to be the best at it. If they're making movies, the church ought to make the best movies. If they're making clothes, the church ought to make the best clothes. That is God's desire. But I can't look at this because I'll just have sight. I got to have vision to see what he told me. 
So chapter 3, the music plays, and the king says, everybody that hears the music, when they hear it, they got to fall down, and they got to worship. But the problem was, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to themselves, O king, let it be known, O great one, we're not the ones. You, you, you know what happens for a lot of saints is that we begin to compromise on stuff we should not compromise on. And so you compromise. You see all the red flags in the world, but you begin to compromise because you just don't want to be by yourself. Compromise is the breeding ground for destruction. Because what if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to themselves, hey, well, you know, it's just this once. Nobody's going to know. It's no big deal. It's no big issue. I, I'll ask for forgiveness as soon as we're done. Please say something. Imagine if they had compromised. Let me tell you what would have happened. They still would have found up a way to get in the fire. The difference is God wouldn't have showed up with them. Because they thought they were escaping the fire. Let's just assume in the text that they compromised. Okay. Well, the king loves us now. Nebuchadnezzar was a schizophrenic, clinical, which means he would have found something to get upset about. On Monday, he was nice. On Tuesday, he hated you. On Wednesday, he was going to leave. On he was up and down. I mean, he was, you know, Looney Tunes. You follow? So they would have found a way to get thrown in the fire. The difference is in their state of compromise, they would have lost everything in the fire. But here's what I want to get. Here's what I want to get because i got to move. Here's what I want to get. They go down. Um, chapter 3, go to verse 18. They say, King, we're not going to fall and worship you. And they also say in verse 16, you know, they said, King, we have no need to even answer you in this matter. <laughs> See, there's some stuff you got to, you know, I just need to get my two cents in. No, there's some stuff you just need to hush and just say, I have no need to answer you in this matter. When folk are antagonizing you and saying, nah, 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 I got nothing to say about the matter. You know what I got to say? Hush. <laughs> www.hush.com. Because there's some stuff ain't no need in arguing with no fool about. You ain't going to get it. You ain't never got it. I ain't going to sit here and try to make you get it. So my answer to you is. I, I had a personal breakthrough. With, and you'll hear it. I'm going to say it after a while in the message. After a while. I had a personal breakthrough with God yesterday. Because I, I got, you know, I thought I was free of folk. I really did. You know what I mean when I said that? I thought I was free about studying folk, and studying is a uh, southern colloquialism, which means caring about. I thought I was free studying folk. How you spell that, Bishop? Stutton. S-T-U-T-T-I-N. Stutton. Stutton. <laughs> um, I thought I was. And, 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 and some things that happened this week, 
and I found myself getting angry about some stuff, and, and, and God dealt with me yesterday. He said, son. I said, yes, sir. He said, son. He said, your problem is, is you said you were over that, and you said that you had dealt with not caring what folk thought, and you said that you weren't held hostage by folk. People try to hold you hostage. You understand that? And you said that. I'm, I'm going I'm to fix all that up. I'm going to tell you what he told me to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what he told me to tell you. Verse 18. They said, listen, our God is able to deliver us. But king, just in case he even doesn't deliver us, let it be known to you. We will not compromise. I'm not backing down. I'm not going to stop following the word to make somebody feel good. I'm not going to dumb it down so all the dummies can feel good about it. I'm not going to stop my worship so that the folk next to me that don't want to shout, look, you better hear what I just said. I'm not going to sit down and be quiet because you want to look like you were baptized in pickle juice. I'm not going to compromise. You don't like my shouting, change seats. You think I'm too loud? Move to the back. Or sit in the front. It's on the TV. Drop your offering off. Sit in front. Why do they worship so loud? You know nothing? You... All right, watch this. Nebuchadnezzar, verse 19, was full of fury. See, he's crazy. And the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke to them and said, heat the furnace seven more times than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his own army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fire first. Now, I taught this a few weeks ago. So he sends mighty men of valor. He sends, you know, your, uh, y'all remember that movie with Zeus? I don't remember the name of it, but Zeus. You remember? Huh? I don't know, but Zeus. Remember big, big old dude, Zeus. I don't know. Hulk Hogan. Let's use that. Everybody know Hulk Hogan. Okay, let's let's go with him. Everybody know him. He brought the biggest guys in his military. And he said, I want y'all to go and take these three. Now remember, they're boys. They're they're in their late teens. I want these big old men. To come take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you put them in the fire. Here's what you see. Here's what you see. Verse 21. The men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and other garments, and were cast into the midst of the furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, the frame was exceedingly hot. Watch this. The flame killed the men who took them. I need you to get this, because I already preached this to you and taught this to you a few weeks ago, how what kills others couldn't kill you. But, but here's what I need you to see. The strong men that were there to put them in the fire died. Which meant that they had an opportunity to turn around and run for it. But they understood the importance of the fire and that the fire was met. And so they understood that, listen, even though I got an option to run, I'm going to choose to go through the fire. I ought to leave you, but I'm going to go through the fire. I ought to. They could have escaped the fire, but they chose to endure it. Why, do you ask? Because they were able 
to get a vision. And they were able to see beyond the fire. And they understood that the fire was just part of the vision being revealed. Because what happened after all of this experience, the king issues a decree and says their God must be God, so everybody got to worship their God. They understood that they were enduring something for the kingdom's sake. And I need to make an announcement to you. Some of the stuff you've been going through, God says it was for the kingdom's sake because the world was looking at you and folk that ain't saved were looking at you to see how you were going to handle it and see how you were going to deal with them. And I needed you to survive for the kingdom's sake. And yes, you had an option to run from the fire, but you chose to endure the fire because you understood the fire was necessary. Somebody shout vision. And watch this. Go to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. Now, I'm going to do this line upon line, precept upon precept, so that you get it, you can walk it, you can receive it in your spirit, and, and all that. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 1. Say vision. vision. Say it again. Say vision. vision. Oh, what's this? Nehemiah 1. Now, I ended last week. I was talking about an enemy called average. Nehemiah was not an average man. Watch this. He was doing average things. But he understood that he wasn't an average man. You may be doing average stuff in your life, but you need to get a revelation of the fact that you're not average. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a... Which means it's new, which means it's the hottest thing going, which means that it, 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 it is above average. So Nehemiah was doing average work, yet he understood he was more an above average man. Please understand, hear me, men. Uh, so many times men get frustrated with what they're doing because many times men find their identity in what they do. And so what happens if a man does not feel good about what he's doing, then it will affect his self-esteem for himself. And so if he hates his job, then it will affect his self-esteem. But, men, you got to hear me. You may be doing some average work right now. But when I finish this today, you're going to have a brand new vision where you're going to see how the average work you think you're doing is really a setup. Oh, my God. I wish I, I, wish I had 14 of y'all that at least spoke of the English. Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to go verse by verse. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakali. It came to pass in the month of Shishlev in the 20th year while I was at Shushan, the citadel. Now, the citadel there just means fortified city. But here's what I thought was interesting. The Babylonians that were Shishlev, they changed it, and it's actually uh, the ninth ecclesiastical month. And it falls in our Gregorian year. I thought it was so interesting. It falls at the beginning of December. That's what David says the setup. Which means everything I'm getting ready to read to you is more than just a message. And it certainly is more than a sermon. It is a prophetic announcement to you. Doesn't name say you better get this. So in the month of Shishlev, which is in December, watch this, in the citadel, the strong city, verse 2, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, uh, uh, who had survived the captivity concerning Jerusalem. In other words, he was concerned about more than just himself. You got to underline that circle that idea. If you're only concerned about yourself, I'm here to tell you, you have not graduated into the kingdom. You stuck in the church. 
Because what is the difference between the two? P -p people that are stuck in the church, they see this as a hobby, not a lifestyle. People that stuck in the church mindset, they see this as something they do on Sundays and Wednesdays, and the rest of the week, you know, it's, you know. Y'all say something, I'm trying to be polite, first Sunday. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 3, and they said to me, the survivors who were left from captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. Here's what I need you to understand. That is the state of our culture. That is the state of our society. That is the state of our city. The walls that were once erected have fallen down. It is a crime when out of 4.6 million people, 100,000 of them attend worship services regularly. That is a crime, but God says, I need people to get a new vision that want to change that. He said the city lays in what? Everything is destroyed. And it was burned with fire, which meant that there's people's lives that they went through the fire. And because they did not have the information nor the inspiration to survive the fire, the fire consumed them. Amen. This is the state of some people. Watch this. But Nehemiah had a vision. Tell somebody say he had a vision. Watch this. Verse 4. So it was when he heard these words, he called all of his friends and complained about how ev bad everything was. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just reading what your neighbor did. Um, my fault. Okay, watch this. He said, when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. Last night in our city, someone was murdered. We ought to weep over that. Last night, some little girl was sexually abused. In your neighborhood. You ought to weep over that. Last night, homeless people didn't have the ability to go to their thermostat and put it on 73. You ought to weep over that. He says, I wept when I heard the state of the city. And I mourned for many days. Why was he weeping just to have a pity party? No, because he needed some inspiration to call him out of his average work into an above average vision. I was watching last week on the news about how some young men had, had gotten involved. I don't know all the details. I'm sketchy, but they had, they had beaten up someone downtown. And one of the parents got on the radio and said, the city ought to be doing more to mentor these young boys. And I said to myself, wait a minute. There's the problem. That was never the responsibility of the government. That was the responsibility of the church. It's the order of the church to care for uh, the widows and the orphans, the fatherless children. Somebody say vision. Watch this. He didn't just have a pity party. He used it as ammunition. See, let me help you understand something. You want to find out what you're supposed to do in life? Whenever you look at something that's not done right and it makes you mad, that's what you're supposed to fix. I'm going to say it again. I just saved you $15. Go buy that book. Purpose this and all that. Watch this. I just saved you some money. Whatever you look at and it frustrates you, 
That is your assignment to fix. I'm going to say it again because obviously I'm speaking in tongues and you can't interpret. Whatever you look at and it frustrates you, it makes you angry, you look at it and say, why don't they do it like this? And why don't they fix it like this? And why do we need to do this? We need to do that. You're the one supposed to fix it. Not sit up and complain about how they ought to be doing it. Even in the church, let me just go and make it personal. Even in the church, don't be sitting up sending me your little emails talking about do this, do that, do that. You do it. You need to do this. and you No, I got something. You need to do it. Somebody say, it's a brand new day. It's a brand new day. Say, Bishop got free yesterday. Stunning you. Watch this. Y'all understand when I say that. Let me just, and this is Denver. I love every, each and every person, but we have got to get a vision that's bigger than you getting your house and you getting your car and you getting your spouse and you getting your, the, when your vision increases and becomes the vision of the kingdom, when, watch this, when your vision makes his dream come to pass, this is his dream. His dream is that one church could transform a city. That's his dream. His dream is that one church. I don't understand why we got all these churches and we still got homeless folk. That don't make sense to me. His dream is that one church can get rid of that. His dream is that every fatherless young man and every fatherless little girl, that they walk and be able to get an identity and receive and come to the church. and get. That's his dream. What's this? Verse 5. Now he prayed. And he fasted for many days. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who you love and observe your commandments. So he's praying and saying, God, you're God of your covenant. You're God of your word. But watch what happened. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, and you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess, watch this, the sins of the children of Israel, which we've sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned what he does he says the reason everything is jacked up is because of generational curses and the reason folk can't even fix it and can't even identify something's wrong with it is because it's all they've ever seen all they've ever seen is a jacked up relationship so they think that's the way it's supposed to be all they've ever seen is lack and, and suffering and all that and people thinking that that's holy and that's close to God that's crazy Are you getting this? So since that's all they've ever seen, that's all they procreate. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. Whatever you expose yourself to is what you will recreate. And so as long as you keep allowing generational stuff and curses and rebellious kids and rebellious this and rebellion in your house, as long as you keep allowing that, you keep recreating that. So don't be saying, oh, God, get me out of it. He says, I love you. I love you a lot. And since I love you, endure. You, you want me to just turn the fire off? No. Endure it. And endure it until you change. See, you, you're not going to, I don't know who this is for. You, you're not, this is totally not on my paper. This is in the heart of God. Until you get frustrated enough, nothing's going to change. 
until you get sick of yourself and say, I got to do more, I got to be better, because I am better. See, if I call things to be not as though they were, I'm not lying because he says I'm the head and not the tail. So I'm not lying when I say that. So even though I look like the tail right now, I got a vision of myself at the front. And watch this, watch this, watch this. We have acted very, verse 7, corruptly against you. Are y'all in here? And have not kept the commandments or statutes or the ordinance which you've commanded your servant Moses. He's talking about Torah, or Torah there. Verse 8, remember, I pray your word that you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if. <laughs> oh, anybody glad that there's a but right here? I said, is there anybody glad that there's a but right here? Because how many people, you'll be honest and say, Bishop, there's been plenty of times. Maybe one of them was even last week where I was unfaithful to God. But I'm so thankful that even when I was out doing my own thing, goodness and mercy were following me when I went in the club. They were right behind me. When you went over so-and-so's house, no, you ain't got no but Goodness and mercy was sneaking in the door right back there. But if you return to me and do my will, keep my commandments, and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I'll gather you from there and bring uh, them to a place where I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people who you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. Verse 11, O Lord, I pray. Please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant do what? Prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Several things here I need you to see. Number one is he wasn't the king, nor was he the ruler of the people. Yet because he got a vision for the people, God chose to use him. You keep thinking, well, I'm not the preacher, and I'm not the bishop, and I'm not the president, and I'm not the CEO of this, and I'm not running this. And so you think, well, my only action is inaction. Nehemiah was doing average work. He worked for the king. He's a king's cupbearer. Now, here's how it worked in those days. King got thirsty. I thirst. He had several cupbearers. They'd come, and they'd approach like this here. And, and they'd hold up the cup. And they couldn't touch the cup because it was the king's cup. They approached the king. Can't look the king in the face. Mm -mm, like this here. And they gave the king the cup. Average work. He's nobody special. He's not the lead cup bearer. He's not the arch cup bearer. He's not the presiding cup bearer. He's not the Pope of cupbearers. <laughs> He's a cupbearer. I'm going to go as far as to say he probably only brought the stuff when everybody else was off. He was part of the after hours cupbearer. King was working a little late. But notice what he does. He wasn't the king, but he got a vision for others more than just himself. See, I, I'm trying to help you understand how you, see, see, seek ye first the kingdom. In other words, seek 
everything else about how you can use your life to make other people's lives better. Seek that. And when you seek that, I'll promote you. And all these things, I'll add to you. Because you got a vision. Are you here? Notice what he asked him. He says, let your servant prosper this day. See, the reason that God needs you to be blessed is because the only way the kingdom is built and furthered is through you. See, since the kingdom, Luke 17, 21, is in you, for the kingdom to have something, you got to have it. Please say something. So, 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 so now watch this. He needs you to do well because you are the ambassador for the kingdom. The gospel is free. It's very free. But the means to getting it to people are not. Just say that. Watch this. Watch this. Look what he says. For I was the king's what? Cupbearer. He says, I've got influence with the king. And I got influence because of my proximity to him. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I got influence because of my proximity to him. So you keep thinking, oh, God, I'm just a secretary. Are you crazy? You're the secretary for the owner. You're in close proximity to the king. And remember where we started, since the heart of the king is in God's hands. Verse. One in chapter two, and it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, these were Persians now, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Stay with me. Therefore the king said to me, "Why is your face sad, since you're not sick? This is nothing but the sorrow of the heart." So look what he is. So I became dreadfully afraid because he understands you don't just approach a king any old kind of way. You, you understand that? I could work that for about three, four minutes right there, but you, 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 you don't. Revelation 1, 6, and he has made us to be kings, in, which means you don't step to me any kind of way. Bishop think he all that show do. Look at your neighbor and say, I think I'm all that too. Not to be arrogant, but because he is. And because he is, I am. And the king said, uh, and he said to the king, may the king live forever. He says, now look, he gets real bold. You know, he's out there now. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tomb lies in waste and the gates are burned with fire? Now, right there, the king, just like Nebuchadnezzar did, could have said, kill him. But since the scripture says the heart of the king is in God's hands and he turns it like the rivers wherever he wants it to go, what ended up happening is the king said, so what do you request of me? The king should have killed him. 
should have put him in the furnace. But because Nehemiah got a vision, I wish y'all would be on the big bus with me. Because Nehemiah got a vision beyond just himself. And he got a vision for his city. He got a vision for the people that were hurting. And because he got a vision, God says, let me turn the king's heart now. Touch your neighbor and say, that's not the best part. He says, what do you request? Now watch this. This is interesting. So I pray to the God of heaven. But, but if you'll read the text, there's no place where we find in parentheses Nehemiah actually saying something to God. Which then by deductive logic we find, stay with me, we find that what Nehemiah says next is his prayer. No, 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 I need you to get it again. Nowhere in the text do you find where Nehemiah talks directly to God. There's nothing in parentheses, there's nothing he says to the Lord. But because the text says, and he prayed to God, that leaves us by deductive logic. The fact must remain that whatever is said next counted as his prayer. That's why the scripture says life and death are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat its fruit. Because you know what Nehemiah does? You know what the Bible calls prayer? He said to the king. <sighs> you didn't get it. Nehemiah didn't say nothing to God. Nehemiah looked at the king and God says, when you talk to the king, I counted that as prayer. Which means when you start talking to your circumstances and talking to your enemy, I count that as prayer. You didn't even have to say it to me, but I... He said, so I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Those are the communities that exist right here in our city. Right, right, say right here, right here. In, our city. in our city. We don't have to go all the way to India. We don't have to go all the way to Africa. We got third world countries right here in America. Watch this. Say vision. vision. Say it again. Say vision. vision. Now watch this. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting behind him, watch this. How long will your journey be? You didn't get it. The king asks him, how much time do you think you need? Now let's, let's do some, let's get this, okay? Watch this. It was the king, the Persian rulers, that burned the city up in the first place. It was the king that was responsible for the desolation of the city in the first place. But when Nehemiah got a vision, the very one that was responsible for destroying it is now the one that's responsible for him to rebuild it. That's why he says, I'll make your enemies your... The very one that was setting you up to go down is go. All right. All right. <laughs> he says, how long will your journey be? And watch this. And he works for the king. He got to show up every day. King says, and uh, when will you come back? And it pleased the king to send me. And I said, him a time. Now remember, this all happened at the beginning of December. I'm 
just trying to get you lined up with the word of God. I'm just trying to get you in alignment so when 2010 comes, the king will have given you everything you need for your journey. The Bible said he set for him a time, which means you determine how long it takes. Stop saying maybe in five years, maybe in 10 years, maybe in 20 years. You ought to start looking. Nehemiah did it in 52 days. You didn't hear what I just said. Nehemiah rebuilt an entire city in 52 days. If he rebuilt the entire city, watch God rebuild your life. Somebody shout, I set the time. It's not going to take harvest 20 years before we can do so. It's not going to, I refuse that. I set the time. We're not having a mortgage burning celebration. We buying the building cash. Because I set the Need no food stamps. We set the tone for the city. Watch this. Verse 7. Furthermore, I said to the king. So he figures, I got favor now, so I might as well keep going. If it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. In other words, he said, there's getting ready to be a little controversy, he says, because I'm getting ready to go rebuild a city and everybody don't want me to rebuild it. You know you're on to something when folks start talking. I rejoice when I hear, oh, so-and-so said this. Praise God, because, man, I must be real close to Judah. Folks start running their mouth. He, so he knew something was going to happen. So he said, king, give me some letters. Verse 8, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest. Watch this, that he must. Jesus, please, y'all. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber. No, he didn't approach. See, this is why we boldly approach the throne of grace. Oh, Lord Jesus, if you think maybe, um, you know, I'm thinking about, Lord, you know, just, you know, I'm a sinner, you know. Uh, no! When I'm before the king, I get everything I need while I'm up there. That's why praise and worship is so important. Because the Bible says he inhabits or is enthroned upon the praises of his people. A king does not sit in his court all day. But when he does take a seat on the throne, he sits down for one reason, and that's to issue decrees. And your praise is what enthrones God and puts him on the throne. And when he gets there, you say, God, now this, 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 and this. And you know what he says? It's good. I dare you to just make a throne right where you're at and open your mouth and make him. I said, I dare you right where you're at. Be enthroned on the tahila of your people. Watch this. Watch this. Be seated. I got to finish. Watch this. Watch this. He says that he must give me timber. Watch this. To make the beams for the gate of the city. Now the word, or the citadel. But that means palace. Uh -huh. Which pertains to the temple. So 
the palace and the temple both deal with worship, which meant Nehemiah put God's business first. It was not, once I finish all of this, I'm going to get to God. It was, I'm going to handle all of God's business first. With me, before anybody else get paid, get, I'm going to handle his business first. Look what he did. Now watch it. I love it. Give me timber to make the beams for the gates of the city, the palace which pertains to the temple. The temple was the place of worship, the place of sacrifice. For the city wall, watch this, and for my house. Maybe the snow makes our response times a little delayed. He handled God's business. And then he said, and by the way, I need a place to stay too. And I want free wood to build it. The reason they declined you on the loan is because God wants somebody to give it to you. And the king granted them according to the good hand of my God upon me. Now, good hand in Hebrew, it means the power, the dominion, and terror. Because of the terror of God upon me. In other words, when this secular king observed Nehemiah, a man who had vision. Are you getting this? He had what? vision and the vision was beyond himself it was about changing his city oh i'm trying to get something to rise up on the inside of the people of harvest it was about changing his city and when he got a vision about changing his city he goes to the king and he says god i'm gonna handle your business but by the way while i'm handling your business handle mine The best protection that exists is when I'm doing God's business. Because if I'm doing his business, he's got to handle my... Ah, there's no doubt about it. There's no wondering. There's no thinking about it. When I'm handling his business, he's got to handle mine. Because he's a God of covenant. Now watch this. I got four minutes, they tell me. Watch this. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now, the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Watch this. The king sent an escort with him. The king gave him military protection. What actually happened is that King Artaxerxes made him a governor. He was doing average work. But he got a vision for where he was. He was just a customer service rep for MCI, but he got a vision for where he was. He was just, he got a vision, and when he got a vision, he went from handing the king his wine to being the governor of the city of Judah. Because even though he was doing average work, he realized he was an above average man. I wish y'all would hear me. Watch it, watch it, watch it. But now here, here it is, and, and then I'm through. Here it is. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of God's people. 
They didn't get upset because of all the stuff. They got upset because this man had a vision to change what was going on in his city. Verse 11, so I came to Jerusalem and was there three nights. Then I arose in the night and a few men with me. I told no one what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Watch this. Nor was there any animal with me except the one which I wrote. Please understand, it's so important. I told you this weeks ago. You've got to be careful who you tell stuff to. Because some people are set up to, to destroy your vision. And so you can't tell everybody everything because even though they may mean well, they're going to interdict a seed of negativity and doubt in you. And all of a sudden you had faith and then they say, well, what about this? And now you're worried about what about this, but you weren't worried about the what about this when you first got it, but you shouldn't have told it to them. I learned a long time ago to just www.hush.com. I got to move. I got three minutes. Watch this. Verse 17. You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. That's Denver right now before harvest gets to it. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been uh, uh, good upon me and also the king's words, which he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. What is the this? The this is Nehemiah's vision. You coming here is not just so you can get full and be some spiritual pig. You coming here is so you can be equipped to go out there and rebuild the city. And everybody that don't shout about that are the selfish folk. So they set their hands to his vision. But watch this. But when Sambalite, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed and despised us and says, what is this thing you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? But what they didn't realize is the king had already told them to do it. There's some stuff folks are saying, what are you doing? You ain't got no business. What you didn't realize is I already got permission from the owner. So I answered and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, say we, we. Harvest, harvest, will arise and build. Watch this. But here's the problem. Nehemiah becomes a governor. I got to do this real quick. When it's his will, people, it becomes his bill. The reason you worry about paying for stuff is because he didn't tell you to do it in the first place. When he tells you to do it, you just sit back and say, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Notice what Nehemiah didn't have, money. He had something better called favor. No, no watch this. Here's the problem. There were three people that came against him. Say three people. And these are the three people that will confront you. Here they are. Number one, Sanballat. Here's what the, his name means. The God sin has vivified. Here's what that means. The first problem to you doing God's vision is that your will will come back to life. The first problem you're going to have, because see what this, when it's God's vision, it's going to stretch you, which means you won't be comfortable. And so the first person you're going to meet on this road called getting a new vision, the first person you're going to meet is Sanballat. And Sanballat's going to say, 
well, you know, you don't really have to do all of that. Why don't you just go, enjoy the service, shout a little bit, drop a tip off in the bucket, and go home. Because remember what them folk did to you over here. And what if they do that to you? But see, what you don't realize, Sanballat, is that three weeks ago, I made a prayer that said, not my will. Which means my will's got to die. So the first person you're going to meet on this road called vision is you. And your will, want to do it your way. And let me make this announcement to everybody who thinks God is interested in your opinion. He is not. He does not care what you think about it. He just wants you to obey. Thinking not required. Touch your neighbor so you don't have to think. You don't. You just have to obey the word. You have to think about it. Just obey it. Second person they met. Say the second one. Oh, God. And this is where I got excited yesterday. Was Tobiah, the Ammonite. You know what that means? Ammonite means the people. So the first person he meets that's got a problem is himself. The second person he meets that's got a problem is the people. And the people wanted him to fear how he was going to be able to do it. But I'm here to make an announcement to you. You got to get delivered from what folk got to say and what they want to do. Listen, let me just make an announcement to Harvest and everybody up in here and everybody walking online. There's a way we do things here. Called kingdom. And I'm not raising a house of attendees. I'm not raising a house of folk that just come to watch a show. I'm raising up an apostolic kingdom people that say we've not come to take sides, but we have come. So if you don't like it my way, you can leave. Because there's one way here. And it's the way of the kingdom, and it's the way of the scriptures. And the scripture said he set one man over the congregation, not a committee. So you want to talk about my way? You can, you're more than welcome to leave. Your check does not hold me hostage. And I mean that. Show you right. See, a lot of preachers are scared to talk like that because they're scared of Tobiah. I'm not scared of Tobiah. What, Tobiah? I've got a city to take. I've got peoples and souls to save. We've got homeless people to feed. i got too much work to do to be studying. You can't get in line with what I say to do. Well, it seems like it's his way to highway. Sure is. Sure is. Because I'm <laughs> bowing, big watch this. All right. I, I got I to finish. Y'all just stop. Y'all keep going back there. Y'all keep going because they need to get this on the tape. Need to, I'm serious. I, I'm serious. Well, I don't understand. Okay, great. Doors of the church are open. See, a lot of churches, but we just want everybody. We don't want to offend nobody. That's why church can't get nothing done. Because you won't say nothing. 
And everybody walking around with emotions on their sleeves, a bunch of babies. Not up in her. Touch your neighbor and say, it's kingdom around here. You better say something, son. Here, 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 here it is. Here it is. See, that's that. I, I shouted off of that last night. I'm t- I was talking to a bishop friend of mine, and I shouted about 20 minutes on the phone with him. I said, Whoa! I said, it feels so freeing. Because a lot of times you'd be trying to hold on to stuff that you think you need. And if so-and-so don't do it, who's going to do it? God of heaven, he will prosper us. You, you, you hear me? I want to make sure we're on the same page. Tobiah does not run the kingdom. The king of kings runs the kingdom. And he appoints man of God. His word, not mine. Last person they met was Geshem, Geshem, the Arab. His name means rainstorm. Rainstorm. So the first person you meet on getting a new vision is you, because you got to die to your will. Your will ain't going to want to come to dunamis. Your will ain't going to want to serve. Your will ain't going to want to do that. But the first thing you got to do is say, no, not my will. His will, because I got a vision. And opposed to me trying to pursue getting promoted, why don't I pursue God's dream? That's what I got to do. That's what I got to do. I'm not trying to see, see, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get this, get that. I'm just pursuing God's dream. Which is that all men might be saved. God wants to see this city rebuilt. And just because the DNC comes don't mean this is a successful city. I'll say it again. We got homeless people in this city. We have fatherless children in this city. We got children with fathers that are still fatherless in this city. We got folk that got to eat. And the Bible says we're supposed to be the solution to that. Not the world. We're the solution. So the second person you go meet is people. And people will attempt to discourage you and attempt to do all this. You need to realize some people are just scaffolding. There's some stuff in life that is just to build. The third person you're going to meet is Geshem. And he's a rainstorm. See, here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to think, when I was just doing my own thing, it seemed like everything was all right. But when I started pursuing God's vision and God's dream, it seemed like all Gehenna broke loose. First Sunday, I like to be polite. It seemed like all the Hades broke loose and a rainstorm came. And it wasn't rain from heaven. It was acid rain, man. It was tearing me up every time it fell. 
And the way a rainstorm works is like this. The moment you get over this, then some more rain comes. And the moment you get over that, then some more rain comes. Then some more rain comes. Then some more rain comes. And Geshem's job is to make you think that the opposition means you're going the wrong direction. He wants you to think, oh, wow, if I'm encountering some trouble, maybe I shouldn't go this way. Are you getting this? But Geshema's a liar. And you know Nehemiah's response? Nehemiah's response is the God of heaven will take care of Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. He'll take care of that. Now, I don't have time to go here. You can write it down and read it in your own time. Uh, Exodus 13 and 7. Exodus 13 and 7. You can just write it down in your own time. Watch this. The opposition is where the shortcut is. I'm going to say that again. The opposition is where the shortcut is. If you always run, I said this to Bible college the other week. If every time you hit a little turbulence, you want to go land your plane, you need to just get out of it. When you're in the air and you hit turbulence, they don't say, oh my God, we hit turbulence. Somebody ought to pray. The pilot don't get on the microphone talking in tongue. God's got to work this out. No. You know what the pilot does? The pilot realizes and understands that this turbulence is a shortcut. That's, you ever wonder how you get certain destinations faster than you did? Is because you got a tailwind. Watch this. Watch this. You know what they do when turbulence comes? They turn the throttle up and increase the intensity. And they pulled the, the joystick back. I still ain't got the thing right. Whatever. They got it on the new planes, the joystick. They pull it back, and you know what they do? They climb higher to where they get above the turbulence. Stop always giving up when turbulence comes your way. When financial trouble hits, I'm going to give more. When folks start treating me bad, I'm going to love them more. I'm going to increase my intent. I'm not giving up, man. I'm sick of turbulence making me crash. I'm going to increase my intensity and get above the turbulence, and I'm out of time. Everybody on your feet. Thank you for tuning in to today's life-giving message. Harvest exists to change lives by leading people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations. And if you have a testimony of how Harvest has changed your life, let us know on our website contact us page. We're able to continue to change lives because of the faithful giving of people just like you. And if you'd like to contribute to Harvest financially, you can do so today online at www.harvestcc.me. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. 
When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply.